Change is in the air. Do you feel it too? Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Turn Limits Movement for the week of January 14th, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. We've been here before. We drop a congressional turn limits amendment bill in the U.S. Congress, and then we listen for the crickets. But somehow this year, they're being drowned out by noisy reporters and newscasters. Huh. Maybe U.S. Turn Limits Executive Director Nick Tombolides has some insights for us on this. Hey, Nick. All right. So last week in our podcast, we announced the big news that the U.S. Turn Limits Amendment Bill has been dropped, um, sponsored by Senator Cruz and uh, by Representative Rooney. And um, it's gotten quite a reaction. There were several uh, reports on CNN and on Fox News, and I started getting calls and emails that people had seen these things. And as I started Googling, I saw that there's just an incredible number of, of outlets that were on top of this. And, um, you know, we've been doing this a long time, and we usually don't see this kind of a reaction from dropping the Turn Limits Amendment bill. Why do you think this might be? I don't know uh, exactly why this is the case. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't either. But it, it's an exciting time to be a term limit supporter. We have actually doubled the number of co-sponsors on both of these resolutions since our last episode. We're now up to 23 co-sponsors on the House uh, version and wow. seven co-sponsors on the Senate version. So Right, and the, this is before we go around knocking on people's doors, yeah. haranguing them to get on the bill because they signed our pledge. They're just coming out of the woodwork and jumping on the bills. Yeah, there's there's been a groundswell of support. Uh, obviously, the anti-incumbency sentiment is rising. And, you know, after the Republicans lost Congress, there may be a sense that they and the Democrats can no longer get away with ignoring the voters. You might just be able to get away with that for so long before it comes back to bite you in the ass. And we might be approaching that inflection point right now. Well, it's so funny. I had so many people contact me and say, hey, hey, did you see this term limits bill? Did you see this? I'm like, of course I saw it. We're, <laughs> we're, we're behind this. U.S. Right, term I limits. Know. I had the same reaction. Yeah. U.S. term limits yeah, is the reason this bill exists. Right. This, we are the reason this bill <laughs> exists because we have been working behind the scenes tirelessly over the last few years, recruiting mm-hmm. candidates and incumbents to sign our pledge and uh, build some momentum for this. So it is very, very exciting to see. I don't know exactly why it's getting so much more coverage this time around, but that is undoubtedly uh, a very positive development. Well, I know why I'm particularly excited about it. And I will admit that, you know, we over the years, we've introduced these bills and in sort of a perfunctory way, setting the table, we called it, um, looking forward to the day when it'll be important, when it'll really matter. And I know why I began getting excited about it, because we have things uh, leveraged that we didn't used to have before. Like, for instance, this uh, congressional pledge program has been very successful, um, where we go to candidates before they're elected and have them sign a pledge saying, if I'm elected, I'm going to co-sponsor the bill. That's been very successful. So we're putting leverage on um, Congress by doing that. And then, of course, the term limits convention push down in the states, where now we have three states have officially called for a term limits convention under Article 5 of the Constitution to uh, propose an amendment uh, for congressional term limits. And as we get more and more states, that's going to put more and more pressure on Congress. So I'm paying more attention to our own bill. I'm more excited about it. But I didn't think that that would have trickled down to CNN or Fox yet. Uh, But it's getting there somehow. 
Yeah, and I think there may be a sense among congressmen who look out at the landscape of the states and see that the states are getting active on Article 5 and the states are threatening to call a term limits convention. And they may be saying, um, you know, we we may have to propose this amendment. Otherwise, the states are going to do it for us. And right. if the states propose the amendment, that is not going to be friendly to the current congressman. It's probably going to be retroactive. It might be a short-term limit that throws a whole bunch of people out all at once. It's exactly what we want, right. of course. That's why we're doing this. But right. Congress may see that as a possibility, and they're starting to realize they need to act now. They have to take this issue seriously, um, or they're going to be termed out you know, even faster than we thought. Move over, career politicians. DOP lawmakers are now uh, introducing an amendment to the Constitution that would impose term limits on members of Congress. The bill calls for a maximum of three two-year terms in the House and two six-year terms in the Senate. But will this get any traction on the Hill? Let's ask one of the bill's sponsors, Republican Congressman Francis Rooney of Florida. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having so, me on. We appreciate it. We want to let you make the case. We've been talking all morning about how Democrats have introduced, for example, these efforts to abolish the Electoral College. And we've been breaking that down and wondering whether that's an overreach. State your case and push back on the critics who say this is an overreach. Well, the founders never envisioned a professional political class. They've envisioned, you know, like Thomas Jefferson, people come off of their farm or leave their business, do public service. And, and go home and have some new people come in with fresh ideas. This uh, is uh, a much more, uh, in, a better way than having these entrenched politicians who are too aligned with special interests uh, over a period of years. I would think 18 years is plenty of time to serve your country in Congress. Well, Congressman, the president talked, as you know, in the campaign about draining the swamp. And there, apparently there are some voters who believe a key part of that is your move. Look at this poll from McLaughlin and Associates. 82% of likely voters approve of a constitutional amendment limiting terms of members of Congress. Only 9% disapprove. This is from about one year ago, January uh, 2018. If there's so much public support, though, why has this not gotten traction before? Maybe that's why Congress has an 11% approval rating among the people. Maybe the beltway is not the country. Maybe the country is the country. You know, if you take that figure, you could find that replicated broke, or broken down in all kinds of subsets, socioeconomic, mm -hmm. uh, different interest groups. Nobody wants career politicians. They want term limits. And, you know, I'm just a business guy. I figure if 80 percent of my customers want something, mm -hmm. my job is to figure out how to get it to them. So, Congressman, I only have a minute left. Uh, you know the argument against it, and I want to articulate that now. In part, it is you have congressional staffers who sometimes stick around for 30 years, and they learn arcane tax policy or health care policy. You have lobbyists who stick around for decades as well. If you move out the politicians, don't you give the lobbyists and the staffers even more power? But that's an argument that the people are too dumb to be governed in a democracy. I haven't found this legislating business to be particularly difficult. It's a whole lot more difficult to drill a 10,000-foot oil well than it is to be a legislator. <laughs> Congressman Francis Rooney making his case this morning. Appreciate you coming in. Another interesting note uh, going on in the U.S. Congress. You know, we're paying attention to our new U.S. Tournament Amendment bills that have been dropped. And so we're looking also at other terminalist bills that might have been introduced. And uh, <laughs> one of of note is uh, from a uh, congressman from South Carolina, uh, Ralph Norman, who wants to put a non-binding national referendum on the state ballots in 2020 in every state and ask the voters this, 
Should Congress approve a constitutional amendment to limit the terms a member of the House of Representatives and U.S. Senate can serve in office? And his reason for doing so is so that Congress can be made aware of where Americans stand on this issue. Well, they already know that. But just in case, I think it's it's a great idea to try to put this in the face of, of Congress and say, look, this is what the people want. We want you to do it. And as many times and as many ways we can get this um, in front of Congress, we should do so. It's an interesting idea. And when I first heard it, the first thing I thought of was it actually might not even be legal because there really is not an as Stacy explained in in I think the last podcast or maybe the one before there's really no such thing as a national referendum on anything you know we have what we have is a bunch of state ballots and so I was afraid well does congress really have the power to put something on all the state ballots except for a federal issue well I looked into it and you know well first of all they do and, and when when I looked in the constitution you look under Article One, Section 4, where it has some of the rules regarding uh, Congress and elections. Congress actually has tremendous power over the state ballots to make sure that they don't uh, muck up the uh, federal elections and whatnot, and for other reasons. And so they do have that power. And interestingly, um, Congress has tried to exercise it a couple times in the past, including on term limits. Uh, back in the 90s, uh, Representative Peter Hoekstra from Michigan introduced a bill called Voter Opportunity to Inform Congress Effectively, Voice, which is the same name that Representative Norman is using. And it would have put the question on the ballot, should Congress approve a constitutional amendment to limit the terms that a member of the U.S. House of Representatives and U.S. state senators can serve in office? Basically the same question. And it didn't pass, didn't get put on the ballot, but the idea had, had already been floated in the past. And there were other cases. In 1924, the Democratic Party asked for a national referendum on consideration of U.S. membership in the League of Nations. In the 60s, 1964, Representative Charles Goobser sponsored a resolution to create a yearly nationwide um, advisory opinion poll on various issues. And that idea was brought up again by House Majority Leader Richard Gephardt uh, in the 80s. So this is a recurring idea of having a national non-binding, by the way, referendum on national subjects and the second time that tournaments in particular had come up. I can't imagine, uh, you know, what the argument would be against this um, and, and what valid reasons they would have not to do it. It's not as if this actually costs uh, taxpayers an additional cent. There's going to be an election in November 2020. You know, whether this question is, is there or not, it doesn't cost anything mm-hmm. to print this question on the ballot and take the public's temperature on term limits in a, in a significant, meaningful way. Um, I think Congress doesn't want it on the ballot because they know it's going to pass. They know it's going to pass with a, a strong, bipartisan, supermajority. And if it does pass, it would paint Congress in a corner. They would be forced to act on term limits, which is their, their worst nightmare. So it's, it's right. a very innovative co- concept. I think it would um, serve its intended purpose if it were to get some traction. But unfortunately, this is not something I see um, – reaching the light of day in Congress uh, in the near future. It's just, I think the leadership is going to try to bury this bill. Um, It's possible that as we get more momentum on the Article 5 front, um, that Congress may choose this as like the path of least resistance. Um, But right now, it doesn't seem like it has much of a chance. We'll follow it nonetheless, but I think you're right. 1-800-966-1039. Caller, hi. He's George Hale. I'm Rick Tyler. We'd like to know what tees you off. Tired of the dysfunction in Congress? Termlimits.com. One, two, three, four. 
Lawyer and law professor Robert G. Nadelson is the nation's most published active scholar on the U.S. Constitution's amendment procedure. He is currently senior fellow in constitutional jurisprudence at the Independent Institute in Denver. We talked to him last week about his latest book, The Law of Article 5, State Initiation of Constitutional Amendments. I'm here. Okay, great. How are you doing? I want to talk to you about your new book. I know that uh, you know, you've published so many books and handbooks and reports and articles on the law surrounding Article 5. In fact, your scholarship is probably the greatest inspiration for U.S. tournaments uh, for us to pursue a strategy of amending the Constitution you know, using the state amendment process. So what does this new book add to your writings on the subject? Well, first, I want to thank you for the compliment. I, I was unaware about that uh, of that regarding U.S. term limits oh, sure. motivation, but it's very gratifying. What this book does is it pulls everything together that I've written and adds, adds a few things. Um, for example, it includes all of the approximately 50 court cases that have been decided on Article 5 issues ranging from 1798 all the way up to last year. Hmm. Um, I don't think that there's ever been a collection quite like that. Uh, in addition, it um, discusses some of the historical material and also provides the reader with guides to further reading. So sometimes, for example, people ask the question, well, how do we know that uh, an Article 5 convention is a convention of the states of the kind we've had historically? This book doesn't cover all the evidence because that would make it very long, but it cites the Supreme Court opinion uh, that says that um, a convention for proposing amendments is a convention of states. And then it includes footnotes that tell you where to find the founding era documents that say the same thing. Right. And those are extensive um, footnotes. Yeah, that's right. So uh, in addition to that, it includes various forms uh, for applications, for instructions to state commissioners and so forth that can be used by any Article 5 movement. Right. And the forms are interesting because they're for an application, for basically everything you need. This is, in, in some ways, a how-to book for, I want to say, lawyers because of the way that it's organized. Is that fair? Yeah, it's mostly directed toward lawyers and people who make laws, that is to say, say state legislators. Mm -hmm. However, based on the sales numbers I've seen, I know that a lot of Article 5 activists are buying it, and presumably one of the reasons they're doing that is to provide it to state legislators and others who uh, are involved in the process and who are curious about the legality. You know, sense. one of the one of the claims is that there is no law out there, there are no precedents out there, that the courts don't uh, take Article 5 cases. And all you have to do is leave through this book and see how wrong that is. As I mentioned, there are about 50 different Article 5 cases, and there are an, there's an enormous quantity of precedents right. uh, that the book references. So part of its value is just letting people know, yes, there are guidelines out there. I was amused in the book of your description of the science fiction vein of writings <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about Article 5. I guess this, this is a sort of a vein of writing that emerged in the 60s and 70s, and usually from the far right or far left. And there's still pools of that kind of thinking um, around out there. And opponents of, let's say opponents of tournaments will try to stoke the fears of well-meaning citizens who have no information about Article 5 or conventions, whatever, and without information will spin wild speculations about what might happen. 
with all the new scholarship that you and others are doing, is this science fiction mindset fading? Yeah, it is. But I think so too. Uh, let me explain to your to your listeners a bit what what we mean by science fiction. Mm-hmm. I like to talk about this because I'm a science fiction buff and have been ever <laughs> since I was a teenager. Um, if you read science fiction books in the 1950s, 1960s or so, uh, discussing the planet Venus, you know, some astronauts or whatever land on the planet Venus. Um, a very common scenario in people's mind was what, well, you know, the jungle. Venus is, is a jungle. Yeah, right. It's a big swamp and there are dinosaurs because it's a hot place. It's closer to the sun and it's, it's foggy and so forth. Of course, we had no idea what the surface of Venus was like. We didn't have knowledge. It's all covered with clouds. Right. Well, we subsequently discovered when we actually <laughs> when we actually investigated and sent down probes into the in into the surface of Venus that <laughs> there's no water on the surface it's about 800 degrees fahrenheit the atmosphere consists of carbon dioxide and sulfuric acid <laughs> and <laughs> there are no dinosaurs or pteranodons there right so all we needed to do is we needed some information in order to correct these wildly speculative Views. Right. Well, the same thing has happened with uh, an Article 5 convention. In the 60s and 70s, there were a number of academic writers as well as journalists and political speech writers who, as you, you just said, spun all of this speculation based upon no knowledge. Now, much of that information was already available. If they had done their homework, they would have found the Supreme Court opinions. They would have found the founding era records. Um while we have some additional information since the 60s and 70s, most of it was already in place. They didn't want to do their homework. They just wanted to spout off and talk about how horrible it would be to have um, an Article 5 convention. Right. How far away do you think we are from seeing our first uh, Article 5 convention? Well, um, part of it depends upon how fast you guys at U.S. tournaments <laughs> get those applications you need. We're going to get a couple this I, year. I, I have been seeing some uh, – uh, polling data regarding the popularity of term limits in America, and it is just astronomical. Right. In fact, it's it's a classic case uh, where you've got overwhelming popular support for something, but Congress is so entrenched and so eager to defend its own prerogatives, it will not propose an amendment. This is precisely the kind of situation for which they wrote the uh, convention process into the Constitution. What would you recommend as the best primer uh, for an intelligent layman who wants to tackle the subject? Is this the book? Well, with the word intelligent, yes. I mean, if you read well, even though it's about it's about the law of Article Five, it is. Uh, it, there's no technical language in it. Uh, you know, uh, law professors love to use phrases like incorporeal hereditaments. You will not <laughs> find phrases like that, like that. It, in this book. Also, uh, if you prefer to get your information from the web, I, I uh, manage a website called the Article 5 Information Center. It does not promote any particular Article 5 movement, but it does encourage people to use this constitutional right. And there's an enormous amount of material on the Article 5 Information website, including uh, information about the law, but also information about uh, prior conventions, I mean, why they were called and uh, when they were held and so forth. Okay. And so there's, there's uh, plenty of browsing material there. Okay, so that might be the first stop. And what's that website again? 
That's called the Article 5 Information Center. It's articlevinfocenter.com. Listen to the complete unedited interview at termlimits.com slash podcast. The excitement that we have about our U.S. term limits amendment bill is largely because of the pressure we're starting to put on Congress from the states. So let me ask you, Nick, uh, you're dealing with the team out there in the field every day. Is anything moving so far in the states? I know that the sessions are just getting underway, but uh, we should have some bills drop soon. We should soon. We don't have any bills, uh, official bills yet, but in several of our states, we have been pre-filed, which means that the language for the term limits convention has been submitted to um, the drafting committee. And when that comes out, we will have numbers. Uh, Arizona, for example, we should have numbers possibly within hours. Uh, we're awaiting that because you know, we have several states uh, which went about half the distance last year. Uh, Utah, Georgia, Arizona, we passed a single chamber in those states. Our teams on the ground, field staffers, regional directors, volunteers, activists have been working so hard to make sure that we can finish the job in those states in 2019. Um, so we do have updates. I just got an update from Arizona. Our Arizona State Director, uh, Suzette Myers, told me that uh, Speaker-elect Rusty Bowers, who's taking over this session, um, has agreed that this would be a worthwhile resolution for his chamber to consider. That is a great development right. because up until this point, uh, we weren't sure whether he was on our side. He was kind of sitting on the fence. We have a great sponsor mm -hmm. in Arizona, Representative Townsend. She's been on this broadcast. We've interviewed her. She's a former whip mm -hmm. in the state house. Uh, so we should have no problem there. We're debuting the bill with bipartisan support, Republican and Democratic sponsors. It is looking very, very good right now in Arizona, thanks to the work of our, our grassroots army. Last week, we asked you to go to www.termlimits.com forward slash legislators and send a message to your federal representatives urging them to co-sponsor the Cruz-Rooney U.S. Term Limits Amendment Bill in Congress. Turns out that possibly not all of your representatives were listed there, as the service who provides the legislator data for our online communication tool was not done posting all the new office holders. After recording last week's podcast, for instance, I went to the site myself to send a message and only found one senator there. Uh, please don't be deterred. If you could not reach all your reps last week, please return to the site and try again. This morning, I went back to the site, and I see it's all up to date. That's www.termlimits.com forward slash legislators. Also, be sure to subscribe to the No Uncertain Terms podcast. You can use the podcast app on your iPhone or use Stitcher or Google Play on your Android device. Or go to iTunes to subscribe, and while you're there, be sure to rate and review us. Stay tuned. The legislatures are now in session. Big news from the states is on the way in the coming weeks. This is Stacy, and I can use your help. I'm looking for a handful of volunteers for our digital department. Specifically, we are looking for a national letter to the editor coordinator, a software website assistant, and social media warriors. 
The national letter to the editor coordinator will help implement letters to the editor campaigns in our battleground states. He or she will work with volunteers to get short opinion pieces published at key milestones in local newspapers during this legislative session. The software website assistant will help enter advocacy letters and emails into our software program, assist with setting up new web pages in WordPress, and help our press team with press releases. And lastly, our social media warriors should be able to create Facebook graphics or at least push out content to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Of course, specific training is available, but if you already have some of these skills so you can ramp up quickly, that would be ideal. We do have other needs for video editors and graphic artists, as well as data entry people. If you're wondering how you can help and have some of these digital skills, why not put them to use and volunteer for U.S. term limits? Please contact me at Stacy with an E, that's S-T-A-C-E-Y, at termlimits.com if you're interested. Thank you so much for your support.